right, grab your Bibles. Turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is a, is a chapter, an entire chapter, that is devoted to the resurrection. And it uh, talks about the fact that because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, we can be assured that someday we will too. And uh, look forward to that day. It talks about the, the fact that we're sown a natural body, we're raised uh, a, a, a spiritual body. And uh, <clears throat> goes through all of that in 1 Corinthians 15. And then he concludes with the very last verse. And that's the verse we're going to read tonight. Let's all stand together, if you would. And in 1 Corinthians 15, down in verse 58, let's read the verse out loud together in unison, if you would. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Let's read together. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I am so thankful that I serve a God that gives me the strength and gives me the ability to be steadfast and unmovable. Lord, you not only give us the strength and ability, but you give us the motivation because uh, you don't change. You, uh, in you there is no variableness. In you there is no shadow of turning. And uh, Lord, as our example, uh, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, God, for that. And uh, help us, especially in, in these days when things are topsy-turvy, and it seems like everything is being turned upside down. It is so essential that in our hearts and in our minds and in our daily practices that we be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in your work. God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts tonight about this very subject. And uh, we'll be careful to thank you and praise you as you work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This, in a lot of ways, I think it's going to go hand in hand with what we talked about this morning. There's a there's great need today. And the need that we have is a great need for steadfastness. The opposite of steadfastness is found in various verses in the Scripture. We're going to look at some of them later. But Ephesians 4 14, it talks about the fact that there are children, we're not supposed to be like children, uh, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. You see a lot of that kind of stuff going on today. James chapter 1 and verse 8, talking about someone who is going through trouble and struggles and needs to ask God for wisdom and needs to do so in faith. In James 1 8, we're warned a double minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Uh, the, the, the lack of steadfastness uh, breeds instability, and it shows up in every area of life. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 21 says, Meddle not with them that are given to change. Uh, why? Because it is, it is so important to be consistent in the Christian life. It is so important to be steadfast in the Christian life. Now, what does it mean to be steadfast? It means simply to be firm. It means to be fixed. 
It means to not be movable, not to move. And we, we see examples of, of steadfastness throughout Scripture. Just going to pick two tonight. One, one is over in the book of Ruth. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Ruth chapter 1. Right after the book of Judges, it's the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. And what we find in Ruth 1 is that uh, Ruth and, and her sister-in-law, uh, Orpha, follow their husbands and their mother-in-law and uh, leave Israel and uh, go down to the country of Moab. And as they, as they do that, af after they have moved, both of the the, uh, actually, all three of the husbands die. And uh, uh, both of the, the uh, daughters-in-law go to their mother-in-law and say, say, tell, them, tell her that, that they'll stick with her. If you look with me in verse 10, verse 10 it says, And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. In other words, they weren't going to leave her alone. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them? Uh, would, you, would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the, of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Now, the, again, the, the, the implications there, when she kissed her, she's, she was kissing her goodbye, and she left. Verse 15, And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods, Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. You hear that, that verse quoted a lot at weddings, but the truth of the matter is it was a daughter-in-law telling, uh, telling that to her mother-in-law, because she wasn't going to back out on her word, she wasn't going to desert her, and she was going to be faithful and steadfast. Verse 17 says, Wherefore thou, thou, Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also if aught but death part thee and me. Now that kind of sounds like a pretty solid, firm vow, doesn't it? That's pretty steadfast. Uh, verse 18, when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left, speaking, speaking unto her. Uh, both Ruth and Orpah made resolutions, made decisions to stick with Naomi. But Naomi talked to both of them and you know, explained that there's no, no hope of any kind of a remarriage with anyone that would ever come out of her womb, and she probably won't have any more kids. And so Orpah left, but Ruth stuck with it. And, uh, you know, you can't help but think that although she did not know the verse, she was living the verse, let your yea be yea and let your nay be nay. You make a decision, you stick with the decision, and you go, you go through with it regardless of the circumstances. And uh, steadfastness does not waver 
under adverse circumstances. These were definitely adverse circumstances. They, they no more expected uh, all of those uh, men to die the way that they did, and, and, and yet they, they made some decisions, well, Ruth made some decisions, and stuck with her decision regardless of the adverseness of, of the circumstances. Hey, let's take a look at a, a New Testament example of steadfastness. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, this is in the early years of the early time of the church, right uh, after Pentecost. And Acts chapter 2, look with me from verse uh, 41, 41 and 42. uh, Acts chapter chapter 2, verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. That was after Peter preached. And and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And uh, again, it's just saying that they, they they were consistent in those things. I find it interesting, the very first thing that it says that they were steadfast in was doctrine. And I believe because they were steadfast in the doctrine and the things they were taught and the things that they believed, uh, therefore it came out in the, the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And what that resulted in, that steadfastness, it was a tremendous commitment, not only to God, but also to one another. Look down, look down in verse uh, 47, if you would. It says... It says um, uh, wait a minute, not 47. I want you to go up to verse 44, 44 and 45. It says, And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Now understand what they did. They sold what they had and they distributed it. They did not do that because anybody asked them to do it. Nobody mandated that they do that. You know, Stalin and Marx uh, went to this passage of Scripture, guys that were infidels and, 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 and didn't, didn't believe in God, and they, they, went to, they went to these verses and said, see, there's communism in the Bible. No, nobody, was, you know, nobody had a, a sword to their belly. Uh, no one was forcing them. They did this, and I believe this, this action came forth because they were steadfast, immovable, and they were abounding in the work of the Lord. They were steadfast in doctrine. They were steadfast in fellowship. They were steadfast in breaking of bread. They were steadfast in prayers. And they, they had a commitment to one another. And as a result of that, not only were the needs taken care of, but, but people got saved. You go down to verse 47, and it says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now there, there's some characteristics of us when, when we lack steadfastness. There's some things that can be seen in our lives when steadfastness is not there. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 78. <clears throat> psalm 78 is a psalm that deals with, it's, it's, it's a long psalm, and it deals with the children of Israel in the wilderness. And uh, you think about the children of Israel in the wilderness, and at least that, that first generation that went through, 
before they went through the 40, 40 years and, and uh, that generation died out. That generation, that first generation was a mess. Uh, it was very unstable. It was anything but steadfast. And if you look with me in uh, uh, Psalm 78, verses, verses uh, 5 through 8, it says, um, Psalm 78, verse 5 says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. The generation to come might know them, even the, the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And then he goes through and explains how that they, uh, you, you look over in verse, uh, uh, verse uh, 39, it says, For he, speaking of God, remembered that they were flesh, a wind pa passed away and cometh not again. Uh, how oft did they provoke him? in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert. Now that's not steadfast, well that's steadfastly provoking and steadfastly being a pain in the neck and steadfastly having unbelief, but it's not steadfastness in the things of God. Verse 41, yea they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. I believe that's one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. They could have had all kinds of blessings, they could have had all kinds of victories, but they lost it all, and they lost it because they were not steadfast in their relationship with God. Now, some characteristics of a lack of steadfastness uh, would be things like stubbornness, just being strong-willed, and that stubbornness becomes idolatry. Not necessarily the kind of idolatry where you bow down to idols and worship it, but you become you become God. You're the one who's making the shot, calling the shots. From that also comes rebelliousness, um, hearts that aren't right with God. A um, a person who is not steadfast, their heart's not right, and their spirit is not steadfast. With God, to be steadfast with God just simply means to be in a in agreement with Him, and those two things—your heart not being right, and your spirit not being steadfast with God—those are keys when it comes to steadfastness. Uh, another characteristic of the lack of steadfastness is they set their hope in something other than God. Every time we do that, we set our hope in government, we set our hope in medicine, we set our hope in doctors. Now, I'm for all that stuff, okay? But when, we, when, I, when our hope becomes those things, then that's what we depend upon. And that, that, that sets, us, sets our sails for failure. Uh, they, they, forget, they forgot his works. Uh, they forgot the blessings, uh, the works of blessings. They also forgot the, ble the, uh, the works of judgment. Uh, there was judgment upon them when they sinned. When they did right, there was blessings. And God, God wanted and desired to take care of them. And really, uh, it, it, even, even that first generation, he allowed them to have needs on purpose so he could be strong in their behalf. And one of the things that you see as you go through, go through that first generation and you study it out, every time they had a test, the first thing out of the box is they complained. The first thing out of the box is they murmured. The first thing out of the box, they, uh, they, they lost their faith in the God who 
took them out of Egypt. The God that, that put plague upon plague upon plague upon Egypt. The God that brought them to the Red Sea. They said, oh, now we're, you just brought us out here to die. God opens the Red Sea. They go across. I mean, they saw this thing over and over and over again. Yet every time they came to a new problem, every time they came to a new difficulty, the first thing they did was enter into unbelief and begin to murmur and complain and gripe about the situation. Uh, they, they, they forgot his works. They, uh, when, when a person is, is lacking in steadfastness, they're disobedient. If you look down in verse 37, it says, uh, For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Uh, they, they made commitments that were empty commitments. And, and you see this, you know, they, they, uh, when Moses went up on the, on the mount and they saw the thunders and the lightnings and the darkness and all that stuff, oh man, they were quick, you know, we're, we're going to obey God, we're going to do right. And then uh, after he was up there for a few days more than what they expected him to be, they turned their back on him and they turned their back on God. And they, they began to, to uh, worship fal a false idol. They worshiped the golden calf. Uh, the, the, one of the things that, that was uh, a problem was the, was the failure of the fathers to teach the children. In fact, if, if you look, that, that's emphasized in Psalm 78. Look at verses 2 through 5. It says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which ye have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide uh, them from our children, showing to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Now, those things are things that they failed. One of the ways that fathers uh, can help with steadfastness in our children is to, to, first of all, teach the law of God and, and to, to teach the word of God. Uh, I believe it's important for fathers to have devotions with their kids, to, to open up the, the Word of God and to explain things from the Bible and do so on a, on a consistent basis. You may not do it every day, but you do so on a consistent basis. Why? Because it's the Father's responsibility to teach the kids, uh, to tell them of the praises of God. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, that uh, uh, I think is necessary, and, and I think this is where sometimes we really fail our kids, we, we, we spend so much time griping and complaining about things that we don't like rather than praising God for how good he's been to us. And um, can I tell you something? I've been in the ministry long enough. I, I've, I've watched families that have done this, that have done the, the, the wrong thing, and I've also seen families that have done the right thing. And uh, I've, I've, seen fam I've seen the results of families that go home and have roast preacher, roast Sunday school teacher, roast deacon, roast whatever, and uh, griping and complaining. I'm telling you, you don't, you don't want to hear the stories, and I'm not going to give you the details, but I've seen failure after failure after failure after failure, and that's because the home was not filled with the praises of God. I've seen other situations where their homes have had a lot against them, 
They've, they've maybe not had a real good uh, uh, income coming into the home. They maybe have, have been uh, 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 not had, I want, I want to use the word destitute, but I don't know if that's right. Um, they've just not had all the, the luxuries in, in life. And yet the kids come out with the right attitude. Kids come out loving God. The kids come out loving church. I mean, honestly, if, 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 my, if my, my children came out with a bad attitude about going to church and about being with church people and about working in the ministry, I'd have to look at myself and say, what in the world did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Uh, did, I, did I not put forth the praises of God like I should have? Um, the, the other thing that, that a, a good father does is, is uh, uh, in trying to encourage steadfastness, is uh, speak of, this, of the strength of God. Look at verse 4. It says, We will not hide, hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Talks about, about strength, the fact that we have a, a strong God. And we've got a God that can get us through trouble. We've got a God that can get us through problems and difficulties. And then the last thing are, are the works of God and looking back at what he has done. Uh, the truth of the matter is the, the children of Israel should have, this is what they, they could have done, they could have looked back and, and, and every time they came into a new problem and a new need and a new situation, they could have looked back and they could have said, look, it's obvious God took, took us uh, miraculously out of Egypt. God took us miraculously through this, the Red Sea. God miraculously uh, gave us a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And time and time and time again, God was strong on our behalf. We've seen the works of God. Now we're heading toward a, a new problem, a new deficiency. And you know, we are, that's really where we are today. We're, I have never seen anything like what's going on in America right now with this coronavirus. I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. And I, I doubt if you have either. Uh, you say, oh man, this is uncharted territory. Maybe uncharted territory, but we've got a God who's proved himself in the past. We've got a God who's been strong on our behalf in the past. We've got a God who has taken care of us in the past. And I can point to in my life, and I know you can in yours, time and time and time and time again, where you saw God come through for you, you saw God be strong for you, you saw God provide for you in ways that you could not provide for yourself. And, uh, and that kind of thing, and bringing that up to our kids and showing that to our children is what what breeds steadfastness. What are some characteristics of people that are steadfast? Take your, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 112. <clears throat> Psalm 112. In Psalm 112, I want you to look with me in verses 1 through 8. Psalm 112, verses 1 through 8. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. 
He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and, and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous, the righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. When it says he shall not be moved, that means he's, he's being steadfast. Verse 7, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. Uh, the, a person who is steadfast, number one, first and foremost, we talked about this this morning. We're going to hit it again tonight fears the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And there's nothing else that that that, that person fears. When you're steadfast, you have a fear of God, but you don't have a fear of man. You don't have a fear of circumstances. You don't have a fear of organizations. You don't have a fear of anything that's out here. You only have a fear of the Lord. And uh, then number two, if you look down in, in, verse, in, in verse one, praise ye the Lord, uh, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Not just, notice it does not just say is obedient to his commandments, it says delighteth in his commandments. You find this kind of attitude all the way through Psalm 119. I just recently read through Psalm 119, and the psalmist continually is just saying, how, how much he delights in the, in, in the uh, uh, word of God, and he de delights in the commandments of God. In other words, he delights in God telling him what to do, and he delights in the ability to be able to, to uh, obey those things. It's more than just being obedient. It's, it's delighting in the fact that, uh, that you can obey the Lord and that God gives us some commandments that we can follow and do. And then the, the, the third thing down in verse 7 says, He should not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. They, uh, a person who's steadfast doesn't fear evil reports. Um, you know, one, one thing you know, uh, if you know anything about the, the uh, children of, of Israel in the wilderness, uh, there were two fellows in that, that first generation that made it through but only two, and that was Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb were two of the 12 spies that went in to spy out the promised land. And if you know the story, 10 came back and said we can't, and two of them said we can. Well, the reason why those two came back and said that they could was because they were steadfast in the things of God. They did not waver. And that tells me that even when they weren't mentioned prior when all that stuff was going on with Israel, that they stayed steadfast in their hearts. And uh, uh, when the evil reports came up, that didn't change them. You know, they, they, they were the minority. They were not the majority. Ten said, don't go into the land even though God said to go. And two said, no, we are well able because God will strengthen us and God will get us through it. Um, they didn't care that they were the minority. They didn't care that there were evil reports. And the reason why is, in, again, in that verse, verse 7, it says, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in, in, in the Lord. 
Uh, you have a fixed heart. A fixed heart just simply means one that, that says, I believe God, uh, nothing's going to change me, nothing's going to move me. And then as a result of it, they, they trust the Lord. Those are characteristics of steadfastness. Now, how do we become steadfast in the Lord? Let me give you some, just some real practical things that we need to do in order to develop a steadfast spirit. Take your, uh, take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2. Colossians chapter 2, look down in verse 5 with me, if you would. Colossians 2, 5. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the, in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Number one, put your, put your faith and put your trust and put your confidence in God. Don't put it in people. <laughs> Please don't put it in the government, okay? Uh, don't put it in things. Don't put it even in, in, in trusting other Christian folks. Now, you know, I know if you, you ought to be able to trust anybody, you ought to be able to trust saved people. But, but you know what? We're still sinners saved by grace. We still fail. And uh, so don't put your trust in people. Don't put your trust in things. Uh, things will fail you. Um, don't put your trust in schedules or in circumstances. Um, the, the steadfastness that we show in our personal lives will be proportionate to the faith that we have in God. And God wants us to trust in Him and Him alone and nothing else. Secondly, uh, remember, remember His works. Remember His strength. And remember the things that you can praise God for and praise him for those things often. Spend time, spend time, listen, we've got, right now, we've got a myriad of things that we can complain about, and I think it's, the, the list is going to grow, okay? Uh, the, <clears throat> I think things are, are not getting, are not, you know, I, I've, I've, I've heard this saying until I'm sick of it, but I think, unfortunately, it's probably true. Things are going to get worse before they get better. All right. So what are you going to do as they get worse? You got to focus on what's bad, <laughs> or are you going to focus on who God is, and you going to focus on what He has done for you in the past, and are you going to praise Him anyway? Uh, we, you know, we, we've got so much to praise God for, and I mean, really, if this whole thing goes into the toilet in the next six months. I mean, our whole society just goes in the dumper. Do we really have a lot to complain about? I mean, you look back, but we've got so much to thank God for. And God has been, been so good to us. And we need to remember the things that he's done for us in the past. Remember how he was strong on our behalf. And then often spend time praising him. Just, just decide this. I am, I'm not even telling you don't, don't gripe. I'm not even going to tell you don't even complain. But do this. Praise God one more time than you gripe. Praise uh, God and thank him one more time than you complain this next week. And just make sure that that is always on the upside. Uh, that's, a, that, that's a way that we can increase in our steadfastness. Another, another way to increase in steadfastness is 
understand that our, our labor's not in vain. First, first Corinthians 15, 58, the verse that we started with said, says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our labor is not for the purposes necessarily of things down here, but of things that are eternal. If, if, if as a result of this coronavirus, uh, you get an opportunity to witness to people that you wouldn't have opportunities to witness to prior. Uh, you get an opportunity to lead somebody to Christ. Won't that make it worth it all? Uh, won't, won't that, you know, because that thing will go on forever because that person will go on in, in heaven for all eternity. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. <clears throat> this is after God talks about sowing and reaping, and he just simply concludes it with this. He says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. You know, the, the tendency, we're just at the beginning of this thing. And uh, it's, it, 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 it's going it's to start to wear. In fact, it's already wearing on, on, on some of us. Uh, you know, I've heard people say, well, I'm sick and tired of hearing this, and I'm sick and tired of hearing that, and I'm sick and tired of everything closing down. And Okay, uh, strap on your seatbelt because it could be a rough and bumpy ride. But, but, uh, but, but the truth is uh, there's going to be a tendency to get weary. And God says, don't get weary. Listen, don't throw in the towel. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season. When is that? Whenever God wants to bring it to fruition. That's not up to us, that's up to him, but he will do it. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And uh, understand that you know all accounts are not brought forth today. All accounts don't come due today. But they will come due and they'll come due in his season. Another thing we can do to increase in steadfastness. Uh, go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter 3. Look with me down at the last two verses of the chapter. 17 and 18, 2 Peter 3 says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, uh, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Um, Bible says we need to grow in grace, and we need to grow in knowledge. How do we do that? We do that by consistently reading our Bibles, consistently practicing what we read, consistently uh, praying on a regular basis. Don't let the disruptions of life stop you from doing the most important things that will keep you steadfast, which is growing in grace. And don't, and you, you know, you might look at, at that thing and say, well, you know what? I, I see people around me crumbling, but I'm staying strong. Understand that any one of us could become, verse 17, ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware. 
Now, who's he speaking to? He's speaking to us. Speaking to you, he's speaking to me. Beware, uh, lest ye also, being led away from the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Doesn't take much to, to, to weaken. It doesn't take much to, uh, to lessen in steadfastness. And we need to be, we need to be on, on guard all the time. We need to stay humble. We need to be regular in the, in the book and regular in prayer. And then, then the last thing to increase our steadfastness and grow in steadfastness and retain it is to never forget that God is steadfast. Um, take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 1. And I quoted this, I believe, in prayer earlier at the beginning of the message. But this, this verse is, is so important, and, and the, it just seems like the, the older I get and the, the more I grow in, in, in the Christian life and in faith, um, this verse means so much to me. It, it says in verse 17, James chapter 1, verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, he does not shift. He does not move. Uh, over in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have no excuse really for not being steadfast because we have a God that does not change. Um, you know, one of the things I noticed growing up <clears throat> was um, things, I grew up with a lot of, a lot of Roman Catholic uh, kids and, and around Roman Catholic families. I, I was not that way. My sister was because, because of a, a previous marriage my second mom had. And uh, uh, her, her father who passed away, um, my sister's father was, was a Roman Catholic. And, uh, but I, I noticed that there were certain days that were holy days when I was a kid that are not holy days today. There were, I, I, remember, I remember a day when, when uh, uh, Catholics didn't eat, eat meat on Friday, period. Well, now I say meat, okay? What they referred to as meat is uh, no beef, no pork, no chicken, but you can eat fish. I, I guess they sprinkled holy water on the fish and it didn't become, it no longer was meat. I don't know. But, but, uh, but, but that was the... <laughs> That, that, that one I never did understand. But I saw all those things change, and I thought, well, wait a minute. If the, if the, if the religion and the faith is constantly changing, then isn't their God constantly changing too? And the truth of the matter is we have a God who does not change. And the same God that was faithful to you 10 years ago will be faithful to you today, the same God you trusted when you, when you trusted him with your eternal soul for all eternity, and he saved your soul of all of your sin, that same God can take you through anything because there's no, variable, no variableness in him, nor is there any shadow of turning. So the Bible's admonition is to be steadfast. Let me just conclude with some things that in Scripture, the Bible says we ought to be steadfast in. First of all, we ought to be steadfast in spirit. Psalm 78, verse 8 says, and, and, and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit 
was not steadfast with God. We've got to be steadfast in our spirit, steadfast in our attitude toward God. We ought to be steadfast in doctrine, Acts 2, 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. You know, being steadfast in, in doctrine, what we believe, and then in fellowship and in prayers, all of those things together, we need to be, be steadfast in. Uh, I understand there may come a time in the, in the next, in the weeks to come, where we may have to shut down church. I understand that. If it comes into this area, there's going to be some quarantines going on. But as soon as that thing is lifted, man, we need to be back at church. We, we, we need one another. I appreciate everybody that's here tonight. Because not, you say, well, we're here because we need the preacher. Listen, you're here because you need one another, too. You need, I, I, and I need you folks. I need you folks. Uh, we, we, we desperately need the fellowship one with another, and it might have to be at an arm's length, okay? But, uh, but we, we still need that, that fellowship, and we need, we need to be steadfast in those things. We need to be steadfast in the work of the Lord. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. I have a problem. When, uh, you know, we use all kinds of excuses for letting our work in the Lord diminish. I have no problem with your work in the Lord changing. You know, I have no problem with that. As, as, as people get older, there are certain things we used to be able to do that we couldn't do. Your, the work of the Lord can change, okay? But it should never, ever, ever diminish. That's what Paul said. He says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And then we need to be steadfast in confidence, Hebrews 3.14. For we, we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. We need to be steadfast in our, in our confidence in God and realize that he's taken care of us before he'll continue to do so. And then last of all, we need to be steadfast. In just resisting Satan. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 8 and 9. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil as a, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the, the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Be ye steadfast. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray that you might impress upon our hearts the importance of being steadfast, being fixed, being firm, being committed, and being committed to you, loving you, and, and keeping our hearts and our spirit right before you. Lord, help us with complaining tongues. We've all got that struggle. We go through it on a daily basis. Lord, uh, help us to remember how good you've been to us. Help us to remember how faithful you've been and help us to remember that you don't change. You are steadfast. And because you are, we can be too. We ask you, God, that, that you'd uh, cause us just to, to commit like, like what Ruth did to her mother-in-law. She committed herself and she decided regardless of the reasons that uh, Naomi gave to her for, for leaving her. She said, no, no, I, I, I made a, a resolution in my heart 
and my heart is fixed and I'm not going to change. May that be our attitude toward you, God. May, may we be steadfast in our hearts and immovable in our work for you. Bless this invitation as you speak to our hearts. Maybe there's some areas where that steadfastness needs to be shored up. We pray, God, that decisions would be made tonight that would cause us to be steadfast for you, for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Invitation.